Hi, welcome to the second episode of Baker's Wife. We are sitting here at Papa Malach, really in the restaurant because it's mercifully quiet this morning. Today's guest is Gila. Hey, Gila. Hey, everyone. Good morning. We're really dedicated because we don't even have coffees with us as we're doing it. We've had our morning coffee (laughs) and we're still... I guess, committed to continuing this without coffee in our hands. Right. Might have to call someone over in the middle, but let's see how it goes. It will go great. Um, so first of all, we had a great response to our first one. There are some, like, volume pitchy issues. We're working on those. It might be terrible today also. I have no idea. That's all right. Um, it's all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're just doing this to talk to each other. Like, <laughs> yeah, basically, we're just going to have our morning meeting with um, with something recording. Um, no, we had a great response. I would say <laughs> the most fun for me was hearing from people I have not heard from in years and years who knew me and David um, for a million years and found it uproariously funny that we were sitting at our kitchen table. Uh, I also love the fact that my mother and mother-in-law both listened. That's pretty impressive. Gil, you think your parents will listen today? There is a high chance that no, mostly because my dad doesn't like me hearing me talk with an American accent. <laughs> well, yes, true. I guess one of the first things that we can secretly um, out Gila on right. is that Gila is secretly South African. It's true. I will not demonstrate that right now, but there are many. There have been many instances when my father will yell at me, speak English, in a very stern <laughs> South African voice. Um, but often, like, I'll be having a conversation with you and your sister will be there and you'll talk to me in an American accent, right. or Canadian, obviously, for my yeah. Canadian heritage, <laughs> and, you'll ta- and you'll, like, in the same conversation, turn to Yael, turn to your sister, and switch into a South African right. accent in a second. It's one of those freaky things that I do that probably, we said this is about free therapy, right? This is cheap <laughs> therapy, so we could delve into that perhaps um, a little bit later. Yes, I would, I would call it your nerdy superpower. One of them. So we actually referenced last week a little bit that David and I met at Camp Stone, but you and I also met in Camp Stone, which is crazy. You you did that on last Friday. You took us sort of down this memory lane of where we first met. Yes. It's been, I think everyone assumes, especially people who meet in the bakery, are like, oh, you know Devor and David from Alonshvot. But when I think about it, and I have had cause to think about it recently, <laughs> my story... Free therapy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My story of Gila Knows the Katzes does go back almost 20 years now, which, without revealing any ages, seems like quite a while. But there have been, like, major milestones that we've hit at or intersections in life. Well, I would say that I'm super happy to hit on ages because last week's podcast focused on the fact that we were celebrating our 20-year anniversary, which we did. And I would say if you follow Papa Melach on Instagram, you would have seen some of our celebrations. Um, but so that was Sunday and Friday. This Friday is my 45th. Holy God! Yeah, it's it my is. 45th birthday. I will not so sing. Um, you, I'm not going to sing right now. No. You, but you will sing on Friday. Yes. I think that's the essence of There'll my be birthday. Happening on Friday. <laughs> Maybe we'll get all the waiters to come. Oh out no, no, that sing. would be my nightmare. Nightmare scenario. <laughs> well, there's so many, there's <laughs> there so many embarrassing things that could happen. Um, yes. Yeah, so look, Dave and I. I Let me say a few things. One, David and I met at camp. Gila and I met at camp. And it happens to be that the day that this podcast is being released, I would assume, um, is the day that Camp Stone is actually funding. Oh, that's right. They're having a huge um, fundraiser to try and hit money, I would assume, for all the amazing things that they do. But it also includes scholarships to camp. So if you're listening to us here, you can check. Hopefully we have a podcast page on our website at some point in the next day or two. Um, We'll have a link there so that you can... uh, 
donate to Camp Stone. Leave no oh. stone unturned. Also, only because you can't donate to me and Gila. No. We don't have our own coffee fund <laughs> yet. <laughs> There's a tip jar in the bakery. Except that free. tips are changing now. Yes. Okay, we're going to get into Israeli bureaucracy. We no. can get into Israeli <sighs> bureaucracy. Not Gila not and I met at Camp coffee. Stone. Yes. We were only there for a weekend. It wasn't, you know, Dave and I met in camp. Right. And then we, we worked there for one summer. That wasn't the summer you no. were there. And then we moved over to I.O. and we were there for years. But we always felt the need to sort of have this, like, holy pilgrimage to Mecca. And we had to spend a weekend in Camp Stone every summer when the kids were little. Right. But it was the time when Yehuda and Adina Rothner were directors. That is true. And their sense was the way that you treat family is the way that you treat us. So we would come and they'd be like, so all of you are sleeping on the floor of the nursery... <laughs> That should be fine, right? And yeah. we were like, yeah, I guess it's fine. But also maybe it wasn't a question. It's nice that you were asked if it was yeah. fine. It was more like, we've already assigned everybody. Seven already did Mikayon, and this is where you're this going. Is, Have a good time. true. So, Gila, we met you for one weekend that summer, yes, and that and was it. And you're, you're L, the untaggable, and Yoni were so little, and we blew bubbles together. And it's fair to say that you were a great... Um, we connected over the fact that I needed some emotional support, and perhaps that theme has continued as well. Well, I would say one of my favorite things about camp is that it's like an emotional train wreck happening all the time. Like, nobody is sleeping enough. You're eat- I'm sure now all the food is very healthy at summer camps, but at that time, like, the diet was basically, like... From sugar cereal to cookies and milk yes, to every I, I, two hours. Yes, <laughs> every two hours. Feed them every sugar two hours. Keep the sugar levels up. <laughs> keep them high. Keep them high. Um, yes, totally true. Um, I will actually say that who just walked into the bakery now, but Ellie Silver, who was my Ellie. kids at camp. She ran the nursery program right. at camp. There's zero chance she'll talk here. No. Maybe we'll get her for a minute. Yeah, but um, a spot without telling her what's happening. <laughs> it's true. Right, but we met at Camp Stone, and that was great. And then you were you were living in Yehuda and Adina's house. Then, we lived there like, for a few. I'm sure at some point I came to spend Shabbat with you, hiding from people that I know in Alon Shvut. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Happened at some point. I will say that I, so I live in Alon Shvut, neighbors to David and Devora, a few doors down. Um, and there were some when I there were some episodes when Shabbatot when I came to visit you hiding from my relatives who live oh. in Alon and being called out. So Auntie being, Thelma, I hope you're listening. Do you hear she, what just said? She's to listen to it more than my parents actually <laughs> as she runs to Rosh Um And then stuff happened. Life happened. What's well, meaning? You like, got married? No, before I got married. You find me my first job. Oh, I found right. your first that job. I found you your first job David at the joint. Yes. And you were there for how many years? Seven. It was a, that wow. was like my first let me be a your grown, grown up. up. It was your grown, was up my job. grown up job. Meaning that, so I found you that first job because I had a friend working there. Right. But then I wanted to poach you. Meaning for a long time I've been waiting Aww. to poach you. And there just wasn't like an, a reason to. Like I wasn't doing anything that required, right. you know, people. Yes. <laughs> Well, there were some, like, holocrum stuff, maybe, like, a recipe oh, here and there. yes, you did do the recipes, yes. Because there was a time that I wanted to write a cookbook. So, yes. no, but you, I think then, you had compiled tons of recipes. Yes. And then when the cookbook didn't didn't go the way you wanted it to go, you're like, here are 150 tested right. recipes, you know, start putting them up on holocrums, and yes. for a while we did do that. Right, that was fun. Um, but when we started here, it was, it was very often, it was me and David, and then... There were like one or two bakers, but it became clear that we needed a human to do things that weren't baking. And that was obviously my deal with David was that I don't touch dough. And that deal extended to you. Meaning we were going to hire 
I mean, at the time we called it Aguila because we weren't sure we were going to get you, but we wanted you or some form of you. So it was a hiring Aguila. And that Gila would also fall under the same category as a Devorah, that I was always just Devorah, of you don't have to touch dough. And you, did, you haven't, have you? I Only out of once. I think there was once where like, I unfortunately had to run a workshop because <laughs> do you remember that last summer when we were like, David was in America. Yes, and you we ran a workshop. So then I had to pretend to know what I was doing. Or yeah. like some VIPs came and there was no one else to run it. So I like led Those them. workshops probably sure. people should ask for their money back. I don't want to be, you know, no, too, um, I don't want to shoot us in the leg here. But no. you and I, we don't know what the hell what we're the hell? doing. We're, we're entertaining, I'd like to think. But more for like comedic value. Yes, there's no, um, yes, agreed, totally agreed. <laughs> but since going down memory lane, I actually recall one, there was one sourdough episode before Papa Melech and coming to work at Papa Melech. I just moved to my lunch boat and you guys went away for the summer and David had me babysit the starter. No, I yes. do not remember this. Is that for real? Babysitting the starter and babysitting Jack. Those two things happened. We were gone for the summer and you had to watch our dog the whole time. I walked your dog. There was something going on. I don't remember the Jack scenario, but it is entirely consistent with our personality that we would just... <laughs> Leave hope. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fine. It was, um, when it came to the sourdough, I think maybe I had once expressed interest in this cute little hobby that David had. That's and your first mistake. First mistake. And then I had to read books. There were the two books that oh. I had to read before I was allowed into the house again. Which one was it? The bread baker Tart- one? Tartine. Oh, Tartine. Tartine. And there was Nancy and Chad. Is there a Chad? I, Chad I don't read the books. No. Oh, no, I don't read the books. So I had no to way. read the books. And maybe I was unemployed and pregnant, so I had some time on my hands. But there was oh, never you were a... working for the glo- what is it called? Not yet. Oh, no, I was in between things. So, so I was I was home in a lunch foot. I have to take Jack the dog for a walk with my then one and a half year old twice a day. It was fantastic. <laughs> and I can and the sourdough. I would have to feed it. it was, yeah. It's good baby prep training, <laughs> and there is meaning when Aton, when our now fourteen year old was about eleven when we were starting it. When he would get mad at David, he would say to David, you love sourdough more than you love me. And it was like, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, right. sourdough doesn't talk back. Like, it doesn't leave its sneakers everywhere. It doesn't demand Lego. Like, of course, meaning there's no competition. Um, okay, look, we worked hard. It took me, I think, seven months to work on you to get you to say yes <laughs> to the bakery. Yay. What, what was it? Like, why did you finally say yes? The sarcastic reason? No. No, the real reason. The the real sappy reason. The real sappy reason is that it spoke to me. Bread spoke to me. The the vibe, the feeling inside Rosh Tzurim and the Patamelach Bakery um, in Rosh Tzurim was just, it was a warm, it was a happy place. It was somewhere where I felt I could... I could find a voice that maybe I hadn't found in any other job that I had up until then. And it was, I get to work with you guys all day. It took... There was David's brain that I had to understand because part of my job was also I'm working on that myself. Meaning managing not. <laughs> David's brain. Helping understand David's we brain. We used to call it the right. brain dump. It like brain David dump. would dump his brain on certain people and they would have to figure it out. Right. It's interesting that you that you talk about bread speaking to you. Yeah. Because for me along this whole pathway, like I get why bread speaks to people. I really do. But it doesn't speak to me in the same way because it requires like this deep-rooted patience in things that I'm the absolute opposite in. So it's funny that the bread spoke to you. I agree with you about the vibe. I think that there's something, even healing, we'll talk about that maybe later, but there's something very healing about bread and being involved in a very authentic process. And it's also 
the antidote to what society is today, which is like super fast, moving quickly, everything is flashing before you, Instagram, social media, being on all the time, and here there's something very, very calm about bread. Right, you can't rush it. That's what's really amazing about the sourdough bread. Like every different nuggets and pieces of information that would be thrown out, be it in workshops or when we were just like hanging out, um, because it wasn't really an office. The office was the register, was the bath, it was all right. in one space. All the, the nuggets of wisdom that would come out or commentary about how you make bread or what sourdough is, it really connected to to me because my life was completely the opposite. I can't sit still. Frenetic. I have to be doing it. Frenetic. There's kids, there's running, there's doing this. And even before coming to work at the bakery, that was that was my life also. It was get the kids, go to work, just sit in traffic, can't sit in traffic, I'm going nuts, I'm losing my mind. Like always running, always running. But you can't rush that's the beauty of sourdough bread. It's true. You know, the, the, the moment that I knew that it was going to take with you was um, you were in there, you were working for us for a few months, and you were at a wedding. You know what yes. I'm going to say. <laughs> You're at a wedding, and you send us this picture of the bread cut open on your table at the wedding, and you say, oh, my gosh, look at the crumb in this loaf. And I don't even know what that means. What, it's something about how the bread... Oh, it's the... It's the the gluten development and the space in between, like how dense it is. I mean, there, there are more So words all of those, so I would say, this. all those words that you just used that I tried to like stay away from, so you can reference all of those words. And once you started referencing those words, I was like, oh, you're a goner, meaning, yeah. oh, you've become one of us, right. which is hilarious. Also, so. meaning third wheel to our to our wonderful our third, yes, to our, the bakery marriage. Yes, right. to the bakery marriage. You're right in there with us. I am. I think that was probably one of the challenges of the beginning was working with good friends, which has its definitely has its ups and downs, um, and working with a married couple who there was so much to aspire to and learn from in how you manage and balance marriage and running a business together. But there was, in working together, oh, how, when do we make decisions? Are they made at 10 p.m. in your living room or kitchen table? Or are they made in a more professional setting? Right, so I would say zero that? professional, meaning definitely at the start there was zero professional. It really felt, and this probably extends from camp also, that there was this real campy vibe to it, which yeah. was like there's something so exciting about starting something new and, and running with it and like, you know, all in. But then there was no boundaries because the boundaries were like, oh, Gila's at home, but you know what? She'd be so happy to hear we just landed this contract or she'd be so happy to hear, but wait a second, where did she put the bags? And like, there was absolutely no way to separate it, which for a long time was, meaning just between me and David, we had to find that balance, which I would say we haven't perfectly in, found that work yet. in progress. All to work in progress. Always. But I would also say that you have some super skills that we've been using throughout. <laughs> um, so here are some of my favorite. So we we are booking workshops, and we booked workshops for a long time. And Gila, for a long time, do you even know where I'm going? I totally know where this story uh, is going. <laughs> and for a long time, what would happen is, like, a, a person would call up, and they would say, hi, I'm Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and we'd like to come to the bakery. And we'd say, oh, great, and we'd write it down, and that would be it. And every once in a while, a tour guide would call us and say, I have a VIP coming to the bakery. Right. Now I'm going to interject. That's my language, because in a previous oh, yes, life, that's true. I, having worked at... Um, at the joints, I did missions. So words like federation and VIP and the PAX list and all like 
there's there's code to this kind of thing. And I was like, oh, these these are terms that I know. I can I can be helpful here. You can not only be helpful, but you care in a way that I don't care. Right. Like you'll always say, like, oh, Deborah, you're not like affected by celebrity. Like when people walk in, I'm like, I actually I I don't care. It actually almost goes against you. Yeah. But in this one instance, the guy calls up and is like, it's VIP. You can charge whatever you want to charge. And we're like, well, we charge the same amount. I mean, right. that's not that's not a thing. I'm not gonna make my millions overcharging these people. And so Gil says, you say, no problem. What's the name? No name. We cannot <laughs> tell you. <laughs> it's the unnamed people are coming. So then we get super excited because me and Gil are also a little bit like, you know, we like to figure these things yeah, out. First of all, I'm a mystery junkie and conspiracy junkie. Right. And you like to, you're like very in the know. Oh, yes. So I like, I would say know. also like in a lone shoot, like we get all of those little like, like all, all the little notices from Alone Schmood of what's going on. I don't read anything. Gila's the one that knows everything about everything. Oh. I don't pay attention to anything. And Gila's like, oh, you see that person? They just donated that. And this person, you know, oh their God. child just got that award. I don't know anything. Because I'm a yenta and small town life is perfect for Small me. town life is perfect for you. Yes. I'm just going to remind you of that repeatedly. Uh-huh. No small problem. town life is perfect for you. Also, before when we started the podcast and we didn't have drinks, we've taken about a four-hour break because the place exploded. Right. We no. were hiding in our back office and now Gila's on her tea and I'm on my iced coffee so uh, we've moved through it right also it was a great busy morning with fun people yes it's so nice it's where everybody knows your name like people walk in and you know them and you know their kid and why isn't their kid in school and what's happening there and then this person likes this type of it's friend. another no, small town fun yes. it's another small town fun. It's a community. look exactly. it is a community and we'll probably I think if we don't talk about it now we'll for sure talk about it at some yes. point the whole concept of the bakery really is this great community of people that we add to and add to the same way that I'll always tell Gila like David and I like our superpower is that we pick people like we've collected people from all walks of life and from all time periods in our life and they're just with us. Even if I don't speak to them every day, doesn't matter. We collect people. Okay, this VIP couple is coming. Here are the only clues we have. We know that it's parents. Oh, I guess we have to, like, we have to blur some details. Yeah, we will some. But But we will say that there's... It was parents and a bodyguard. And a bodyguard, and then kids and the babysitter. Well, the babysitter wasn't even called the babysitter. The babysitter was called the nanny. The nanny, the nanny, right. And they were all coming, but we have... But you know what was hilarious? That I think Britney Spears was in the country at the time. Or like someone oh, was yeah. in the country. Oh yeah, wasn't she? Did like, she have a contract? Is it Britney? And I think I got out of the tour guide. Like, is it a rock star? They were also, we were very, who. very nervous because there was this possibility that like some random American senator, obviously my apologize, my apologize to you if you are a random American senator <laughs> listening to this, I mean you no harm. Please but, stay if you are. Yeah, but I'd be, like, meaning, I, I'd be clueless. Like, my worst fear is that someone was going to walk into the bakery that would assume I would know him or her, yes. and I would be clueless. So that was our big fear. So we set it up like this. We put Gila at the front door with her laptop open with Google. Yes. And we're like, any word the family says, just Google it until we figure, we're, we can't give any details. No. It's not even, it, I promise you it's not exciting, but I just feel like we can't give details. But Gila stood there just Googling everything until we could possibly figure it out. And every word they said was like another hint to the puzzle. Right. And also, one last thing, David, husband David, is completely oblivious to everything that is happening. Just totally oblivious. The best part <laughs> The best part is that when we say to David, there might be a celebrity coming, the only celebrity <laughs> that he could reference is Courtney Cox from Friends, because I don't think he knows anybody 
famous. And there was one story of me in an elevator with Courtney Cox in the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto. So when he thinks of celebrity yeah. encounters, it could only be Courtney Cox. Poor. She was not in Israel. The people that came were not celebrities. They were lovely. It was such a great workshop. But the spy work that had to go on between like, oh, Google this name, but here's a clue. Let's do that. And then when we finally figured out who it was, and again, not too exciting, lovely people. Lovely but people. Not like, not, not, definitely not Britney Spears. It was like... <laughs> Wow, we just... For no reason. For no reason. For no reason. This VIP concept of, like, people being very famous is, like, totally bizarre. Also, I would say Gila, and this is also because Gila is, one, younger than me and finger on the pulse in ways that I'm not, but Gila really opened us up into the world of Instagrammers. God, was that me? Yeah, really? I would have had no clue. Oh, Lord. I would have had no clue. Meaning there's this no. whole, and they'll for sure come, meaning I assume yeah. that I will force one or some or all of them to show oh, up at some point on this yes. podcast. There's this whole group of foodie podcasters, uh, not podcasters, foodie Instagrammers, who um, it, it's like, a, I don't even know, it's like a world to itself. Right. And Gila, you're the one that found those people. You mean stalk. That's a nice way of saying that I stalk them. You but definitely no, follow. I follow them. It's recreation. Follow and lightly right. stalk. And then you hear that like someone's coming to Israel, so it just seemed like a good match to have them come out to us. And I will say that every single person who's come to our bakery from that world has been lovely. I would totally not say that. I would totally not say that. You yeah. are so much nicer than I am. I agree that, meaning 95% of them are lovely, but I would say, you know, everybody deserves a bad day from time to time. Uh, yes. Starting with us. Starting with us. Starting with us. I guess let's talk about, you were actually one of our first hires, and you came with us from the big jump. Meaning we started, like, Papa Melach in Rosh Tzarim was exactly, you described it, very, very homey. You could walk to work some days. We knew everybody's name. Right. We like it was the the computer was pre-programmed that to have like people had tabs with us there that it felt very like nineteen fifties wonderful. The coffee machine was very low tech, very but simple. Perfect. But can we shout out here to the bakery staff though because it's a, while I was maybe one of the first office staff non bakers, the bakery staff are awesome. People who've been with you and with been with David with hands in the dough from the beginning. Right, the hands they're, in the dough people. They're so much part of the atmosphere and the vibe than, than pretty much true. the way And they the have that, what you have, which is like this patience or this appreciation for artistry and artisan in a way that maybe, maybe someday I'll develop, but you know what I mean? So like, let's say uh, Lonnie, who's been with us forever, Lonnie and Lonnie. Ellie, who just left to head to India to um, run a Bayat Yehudi there with his wife. And people with interesting names. Oh, yes. Eshkar, who left the bakery, served his full army service, and just came back to the bakery. Kimaya, who's Kimaya. up north now. Right. And there's a few others along the way. Ins but, and outs. But in the beginning, when you could count the number of people who were on, on payroll one on one hand, there was a, that sense of family. But what, that, that was a tangent. We were shouting out to the bakery staff, but really we were talking about... We're talking about, about the jump from the being jump, something right. very small, from being a family to sort of being a tribe. Ooh, That's really what I would say the difference is, that it, it goes from being... And I think that we try to build now also into family, but it feels much, much larger. Right. Um, but you started with us in small, and then you did the jump. Right. I started with in small in a time when we were closed on Wednesdays because it wasn't really a day <laughs> that people b- bought bread. And I'll tell you, this, this was, there was a, a pivot moment that I think I, st- I started working at Papa Melach. One of the appeals was there, there are no bread emergencies. Meaning in any other job that I'd worked in, there was always a sense of there's an emergency, the Jewish people need you, you have to be on call 24-7 because the you're saving the, the Jewish, Jews. You're, sa- you're saving the Jews. 
And here it's, it's bread. It's okay. If it doesn't happen right now, it can happen later. And then there was Rosh Hashanah. Oh. And the first, and the Rosh Hashanah, and my first, I probably was like three or four months in, and came <laughs> Rosh Hashanah in Pachamelach Rosh Tzirim, and they laugh at us here in Efrat because we're still so traumatized. We're traumatized. It. We're totally traumatized and it was by that. Twenty-four, thirty-six hours. David didn't sleep. Of David people. worked for thirty-six hours straight. Yes, and at first it was fun. You and I got there at like four thirty in the morning. And we, we changed the music. We changed the music right away because yes. it was like very, very. Jewish love Jewish music, which obviously like, Gil and I love the Jews also. The but Jews. that's not great work music. No, like you like, need pump up bam, music. Yeah, we were rah rah rah. And then we sold slowly... out of all of our bread by I don't know nine in the morning, oh and then we had to do another full run on we Rosh Hashanah. Just kept making more bread, and people yes. were being upset, and oh, Rifky people Crest. were angry. Rifki Crest, Rifki Crest. I hope you listen to this podcast because we love you, Rifki. <laughs> at the time, people in Efrat would have a carpool back and forth. One person would pick up everybody's bread. And dump it at her house. Right. And Rifki, because she is also a good friend and also supports local businesses and loves us, or at least loved us until that point, <laughs> had said she was going to um, pick up the bread. Right. So she shows up nicely in the morning to pick up the bread, and it's obviously not ready. And she shows up a second time, and it's been literally stolen by people or sold out yes. by people. Because it was a three-day Chag also, and everyone was so afraid that right. they were new bread. In and Israel, so... many details that I recall. I wonder what that says about the experience. <laughs> Seared in your mind. Forever. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yes, but that no, but it's true. Meaning the whole idea is that a three-day chag in Israel is akin to like a massive snowstorm coming in America when you think all the stores are gonna be closed and you can't get anything. Like right. people felt like if it isn't in my house today, I need in excess of it and I, I must have it right now. So after a 36-hour shift, they then no, in the middle of that shift where which we thought they'd be done, right. they then had to make another full bake. Remember my kid, Yoni was working, a bunch Yoni, of his friends were right. working. They yeah. were, Noah was working. They got excited because you get like time and a half. You get like 200% after you hit a certain number of hours. And they thought that they were going to go over like the, whatever the threshold is of like yeah. child labor laws. It was, um, it was definitely an experience that, what was it? I mean, it, it said, well, we're not small. This isn't small change anymore. This has <laughs> the, this is a we're a real bakery. This because is a people big can be deal. really angry at and us. People can be pounding on your door and be very upset. Um, but also, yes. okay, you know Look, what? Look, the end of the story is There's that Rifki came back. Yes, Rifki came back at like three o'clock, era of Rosh Hashanah, oh. and we filled her car so much so that there wasn't room in the passenger seat, in the trunk, and in the back seat. Like there were so right. much challah ordered that you're right. That was probably the first moment of like, oh, we've been cute until now. Like right. buy a loaf of bread, come schmooze with David a little bit. Yeah. And Rosh Hashanah was definitely. I didn't think of it like that. Rosh Hashanah was definitely a pivot point of right. like, oh, we're a place. We we have some kind of responsibility to this community that maybe we like messed up on a bit. And they demand from us as well. And oh, there was a demand for this product, whereas at least in my mind. There's, that was kind of a switch from we need to take this large scale sooner rather than later, which I'm sure had always been there in the back of your mind or in your grand plan. Um, but for me, it was like, oh, wait, this is, this is a big deal. <laughs> oh, is, wait, this, this isn't real. super this chill is, anymore. No, this is there, really... There, is, there are bread emergencies. That is, I think, my takeaway from that was. But then, yeah, between last that Rosh Hashanah and this year, 
Wow. Well, I would say also, like, our staff wow. this year around Rosh Hashanah time, I think we were about 30 people. Now I think we're at yeah. 48 people. Yeah, yeah 48. Um, so Rosh Hashanah this year were 30, a little more than 30, and they were making fun of us. Just me and you. They were making fun of us because we were oh so crazy going into Rosh Hashanah. Stockpiling oil from, like, six weeks in advance because what happens if we run and out? And the lists, oh meaning God, the lists that we had and who could... It was crazy. But, meaning we made it through. Yeah. And I don't think we got... I don't think we got yelled at. No, I think it was at, it was totally great. And I think we even found time to obsess about like the twist ties. That's what I love about what we can do. I think like and especially working with you is that we we are on the same wavelength enough that we can be we find time to take care of the little details and make sure that the the tiny things that we know will bring the package together are important to me and they're important well, to that's you. Meaning, we'll that I would always say that. is the difference between me and David, meaning David and I have this ongoing argument, or we did before we were married for 20 years and we're so wise. Happy anniversary. Before, before <laughs> that, we would always have this argument because David was all, would always make the chicken because when we first got married, I was a vegetarian. David would always make the I meat. did not know oh, that. Oh, did not know that? Really? Seven years. Seven years of vegetarian. Really? What yeah. did it? What broke you? Uh, being pregnant with... I had, like, sort of start, started sliding. Like, I would eat chicken, but chicken not on the bone. Like, I, I sort of started sliding at a certain point, and then when I was pregnant with Hanan, I was like, I just need a hamburger. And that was it. And that I was it. done. You were over. Yes. Nice. That's, there's something about it. Okay. But, yeah, so I'd been a vegetarian, and David prepared the meat. To this day, he usually prepares the meat for Shabbat. And, um, and I would always do all the sides and the starters and the dessert. And every once in a while, and by that I mean every Shabbat, when we were running late and, you know, things were crazy, he would say why don't you just go out and buy a cake? And I would say to him, why don't you just go out and buy a chicken? <clears throat> Meaning to me, because also I grew up on Amelia Bedelia books, it's the end of the meal that matters. It's the end of the day. So right. if you leave the meal with this gorgeous dessert, you feel great. Whereas the chicken, take it or leave it. I know that there are people who like their chicken a lot that might be very upset with me. I would say chickens are probably <laughs> quite happy with me. <laughs> but um, no, but it, it's, it's just either it's like, it's the attention to like the final moment or the final right. product or the detail that you and I look. We love that stuff. Yes, it drives us crazy probably because when there's other things that we should be thinking about and we're obsessing about the right color napkin or what the wine is going to go. To in. me, it's perfect. Right. To me, it's perfect. It's a good balance. It is okay. So let's let's think back. This is what we've covered so far today. Yes. We've covered the fact that we needed to steal you. We've covered the fact that you have a weird ability to speak in two different accents simultaneously. And sometimes in Hebrew also. Yes, <laughs> we've covered the fact that you are the, were you the first, you were our first friend that we hired, but not the last friend that we hired, no. but you were the first friend that we hired and that there are challenges that come with it Absolutely. for good and for bad. Absolutely. I would say often we'll separate between like, this is friend Devorah talking or this is work Devorah talking. And sometimes friend Devorah has to come over with like breezers at 10 o'clock at night and just blow off the day. Yes, um, definitely true. But it's, it's changed our friendship, but oh, it's also, for sure. for sure. And not, but in the a great way because now we see even through the tears even through the tears <laughs> and god knows i'm the worst when it comes to that because i wear my heart on my sleeve i definitely i cry with people i definitely cry right. with people i don't know that i would instigate a cry but i would i'm a crier with right and there've been there's been occasion to cry with people in the bakery as well like there are people who come in here and they tell you their stories you just connect to people here that's what we touch on we touch on patamach being a community and i think it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of, especially in, we talk about as Olim, and some of us are newer Olim or older Olim, looking to belong to something and looking to find a place where you belong. And I, I find personally that I belong here and that a lot of people feel safe here and they belong here. I think one of the biggest compliments that someone from Efrat um, said when we opened up here 
was that we've created an extension of the community in Efrat. That's and been that's, nice for us. That yeah. has been nice. I agree. All right, well, I think that's a great place to end things here. This great. was great. You were a great second interview. Woohoo! I know. I, I would assume you'll be back frequently, a frequent contributor. I'd like to think so. There's more to say. There's more to say. We enjoy talking. So we do. That's always good. We should bring Dikla. Oh, Can you imagine of if we like, just recorded if a meeting? Only. Now, listen, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify. It turns out that if you rate us, great things happen to us, though I'm not sure what those are. Ooh, I so, bet. I don't know. We go up in the ranking, people can find us easier. That's exciting. It's unclear. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this was great. Have a great rest of your day. Um, and we should be up on our podcast page on Papa Mello. So check us out there as well. Bye-bye.